0: Welcome to Middle School Walk & Talk, a podcast series offering heart, hope, and health to members of our middle school communities. Hosts Phil Spagel and Jessica McGuire talk all things self-care, student well-being, school culture, and more. Middle School Walk & Talk is designed to support the concepts found in the successful middle school, This We Believe, and is a production of the Association for Middle-Level Education. To learn more, visit amle.org. Today's episode... Middle School is a People Business with special guest, Dr. Daryl Williams.
1: Hey Jessica, how are you? Hi Phyllis, I'm great.
0: We are still at AMLE 50 at the conference and we are interviewing a bunch of people here, but this is the first time this week that we are pulling in a stray from the street. (laughs) I was in the hallway when someone asked me and someone I was standing with to take a picture and we did. And then I looked at his badge and I said, your name, you're, you're Dr. Darrell Williams. And he's like, yeah. And I said, Dr. Williams. He's like, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh, you, you used to be my associate superintendent when I worked in Montgomery County Public Schools. And then you looked at me and said...
2: (laughs) Hey, you're Phyllis. You just spoke this morning. Oh, my God, you're right here in my face.
0: Yeah, so we decided that (laughs) it was important to bring him in because he has such a broad experience, including being an associate superintendent, MCPS, superintendent of Baltimore County Public Schools. He's currently a professor of practice at Morgan State University. But the part that blew my mind even more than bumping into somebody from my old school system is what happened when I introduced him
1: to Jessica. And I will let you two take it from here. Absolutely. So when Daryl got in the room with us, he was explaining the school that he used to work at. And the name of the school resonated with me because when I was an eighth grade student in Wyoming, we did an exchange with Daryl's school. And that was a program that had been going on for several years between... Douglas Middle School and Farquhar Middle School. And um, it was a a really great experience as a middle schooler and it was wild, just such a small world connection that that I never in the last 30 years have come across anyone before that that was on the other end of that exchange. Have you met
0: anyone other than Jessica from Wyoming who participated?
2: I have not, I have not, and the sponsor Miss, um, what her name? Leowitz from from Farquhar um, was a sponsor, and she wanted me to experience as a new principal at Farquhar Middle School. And it was such a ex- wonderful play- opportunity for our students to learn and grow, as well as our parents um, and our staff. Uh, she would go every year, so it was such a wonderful opportunity.
0: Really small world. <laughs> it is yes. a small world. And Jessica was trying to figure out why we didn't know each other. Because oh, we Montgomery worked in the yes, because we worked <laughs> in the same county, and how is it that you don't know each other and you're just introducing each other? And I was trying to explain how big the county yes. was, and also yes. that I
1: was a little peon. But it's a little different in Wyoming. It's absolutely different. I couldn't understand why you wouldn't have known the superintendent until you told me the size of the school district. So that is not something I've ever experienced before. And then I started to think about the leadership and the structure that must be involved behind that to have a cohesive system that is that large. And I don't know that I understand that, but I am very interested to know more about that.
2: Great, great. Well, Montgomery County is the largest school system in Maryland. And at the time, it must have had over 140,000 students, 200 schools, uh, elementary, middle and high, and of course, specialty schools. So there's the superintendent, the face of the system and then we were associate superintendents. So we were like mini superintendents of our cluster of schools. And so we would support our principals, coach and evaluate our principals. But a lot of the day-to-day operations fell on us. And so there are times where the schools may know us, they may not know us just because of what's happening in that school building or happening in that school community. There's some schools I would visit maybe once a month. And there were some schools I would visit once a week just because of the needs. Um, And so that was the structure in Montgomery County. And then because we're so large, it meant that team, those who are supervising principals in schools, we had to have time together to learn from each other, to to talk about the work and then report up to our superintendent. So that was a good 25 years in Montgomery County. I I love all 25 years.
0: Wow, that's a long time. And I know when you were in Montgomery County, you worked with the former superintendent, Dr. Starr, on some middle school initiatives. Yes. What was behind that? What was the thinking? And what's your view on middle school in general?
2: So um, I was a middle school teacher and middle school principal. And at the time I I went into central office and Josh Starr came as a new superintendent, we saw some of our data uh, really being flat at the middle school. We had a lot of initiatives at elementary, a lot of initiatives at the high school, and something was happening as students were transitioning. Some of what you talked about today, just transitioning to middle school. So he gathered a team. Um, He said, here's the charge. I want you to come up with something that would really bring new life into our middle schools. Now, previously there was a middle school reform under Dr. Jerry Wiest. And so when Josh Starr came, we had to really re-examine what was happening in middle school. And it, a lot of it was really looking at the adolescent learner, making sure that we were building teams with a focus on those grades uh, six, seven, and eight, and making sure we had the right people, like we would say, right people on the bus. Um, and I forget the exact name, but we just call it the middle school initiative or reform two, and, and really looked at the whole child. And I think that's what's, what's missing. And then I took that plan. When I became superintendent, I was looking at our data in Baltimore County and gather a team to say, oh, I'm seeing the same thing in Baltimore County. We needed to focus on middle school. And I'll always remember this learning. Um, we have a, approximately 540 days at middle school to really make a difference. Elementary schools, they have much more, and so does a high school. So we had to be very uh, deliberate in what we wanted to bring into our middle schools, hiring the best, training them, and really bringing back that rigorous instruction in middle school. Um, We had a focus on algebra, making sure, trying to get as many kids to take algebra in eighth grade world languages, the arts, exploring field trips. We didn't do this Wyoming trip, (laughs) uh, but just getting students outside of their neighborhood. You will be surprised how many times students and families may not get outside of their neighborhood. So that was a lot of the work.
1: Currently, you're a professor at Morgan State University. And I've also heard that your daughter is a first year teacher.
2: Second year Second year teacher, oh my gosh, yes she is. Yes. She'll kill me knowing so, that I'm m- mentioning oh, her at this okay. time. Oh, <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm curious for first, second, third year middle school teachers, what advice you would give them?
2: So I would say um, have fun. Have fun. Enjoy the job. It is a challenging job, but most rewarding job. Um, the other part I would say is middle school Students are on teams, teachers are on teams as well. So you're not doing this work by yourself. I think the greatest opportunities I remember when I was on a department or I was on a team and that collaboration where we work together to plan, Mm -hmm. uh, to have interdisciplinary units, but we also have fun. We have fun with the students. Um, I think that those things are very important. Don't take yourself seriously. Uh, as you talked about, sometimes kids want to be three, and sometimes they want to be 30 at the middle school. Yes. You know, it, it's, that, it's just the adolescent learner, but I would just say have fun and rely on your supports in the, in the school building and in the school system. There's always like a mentor, consulting teacher. Um, I will just tell a quick anecdote. I was at my homecoming from college, 30 plus years, and I'm talking to fellow uh, c- former classmates And this young lady made eye contact and she came running over and she screamed. She said, you were my teacher in high school. I was like, oh my gosh, what are you doing here? (laughs) Well, I'm celebrating my 20th anniversary reunion. Um, Those relationships are equally important. I would just also add staff members have to have relationships with their students because once you have those great relationships, this, the students will always remember you. And look at this, years later, I run into one of my former students who loves, you know, they love to tell these stories about, you know, how we were in the classroom. I think those are just great opportunities. That's why I've been doing this for so long. It's
1: a people business.
2: It's a people business, yeah.
1: It is a
0: people business. And I think one of the things that's getting in the way right now of the kind of collaboration and having fun that you're talking about is. At least this is what I'm hearing from teachers when I'm going to schools, how are we supposed to incorporate anything, let alone fun, when we have so much on our plate? And the people who are supervising us have so much on their plate, and so they don't have time to come and watch and give the kind of feedback that we want. Um, How can they take the initiative and find their people, find their mentors or colleagues who are in the same position so that they don't feel quite as unseen and visible alone?
2: Well, one, attend conferences like this, AMLA, or other conferences, uh, maybe some local conferences. I do support just the collaboration. Some places call them unions, some call them other things. Mm -hmm. But that just going outside of your environment and making connections um, because there's different ways to connect now. You can do things online. Um, you can video chat, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think a lot of it is understanding. This is what I said to my uh, second year teacher daughter. Um, what is she that teaching? she's teaching, now she's teaching second grade nice. Nice. in elementary. I, she was so worried about getting things right. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, there's another second grade teacher next door. Why don't you all collaborate? There's a staff development teacher or coach. Sometimes they'll call instructional coaches in building. You know that's what they're there for. Take advantage of those resources. You're not alone. You're going to go through this roller coaster ride in what you're doing. There are different kids every year. There may be new curriculum, but it's our job as former supervisors, former superintendent, to look at that. There's a lot of accountability now. A lot of pressure. And how do we allow our teachers to be innovative and creative? Because that's why folks go into teaching. You have your curriculum, but I'm teaching those 20, 30 students in front of me every day. That's the joy. I go back to that joy. So it's our responsibilities. when I was a school-based leader or, or superintendent to kind of have that balance so they don't feel that pressure. You got to have that accountability. But I don't want folks to feel that pressure that they can't be authentic, can't be innovative, be themselves, dress up and be crazy some days. Mm-hmm. That's the joy and the excitement of school, that sometimes you don't see it because of just how sometimes media is painting classroom teachers. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, our own professionals are painting themselves mm-hmm. and others. I just think it's our job to make sure we get back to the art of teaching.
0: And it sounds like also tune out some of the noise, mm-hmm. not look for that kind of validation from the general public mm-hmm. if that discourse is so negative. Mm-hmm. Just focus on the kids in the room. Exactly. In front of you yeah. and why you're there.
2: Yeah. I agree. I agree.
0: One of the things we were talking about before we started is that it's particularly complicated right now at this point in history because there's a lot of mistrust between various levels of leadership in particularly in big school systems where people don't have the opportunity to develop personal relationships where teachers on the ground might not even know people who are making decisions several levels above them which can lead them to feel powerless mm-hmm. or helpless. It can lead building principles to wonder what their role is in that kind of a system, having seen it at almost every level, it sounds like. And looking back on your former self, maybe back as a teacher or Mm -hmm. principal, what advice would you give to those individuals to help them navigate working in one of these very big school systems? Yeah,
2: Yeah. that's that's a fair question. And I would would just offer, from my experience, it's all about um, everyday You come in, you do the very best that you can, but you also have to celebrate and I call it PR, Mm -hmm. PR, that invite that next level of supervisor to that event, to the field trip and keep doing it. You might not get a response the first time. The second time you might be like, okay, they keep asking. I might need to show up. (laughs) Um, And your biggest cheerleaders out there are your students and your parents, I think that community is so important. So if that mid-level administrator or the top administrator might not know you as a classroom teacher or you as a principal, but it's important that your community does. Mm -hmm. It's important that your students know who you are and they see you. It's important that your parents have that respect and and relationship. We're not always going to agree, but I, I will say as a former superintendent. I would get invites all the time. I would try my very best to go to each and every one of them. Wow. Just because I knew if you thought that much to invite me to something that I'm going to try to work my schedule to even, to to show up. And I've also learned, I used to do this as a as a new superintendent. I would just go by and make comments and then leave. I was like, "Well, wait, I didn't stay for the whole program. I didn't meet the people who were in charge. So I learned to then massage my schedule to stay as long as possible to understand. I think that's helpful uh, for leaders to make sure what's really happening in your schools and to show up when they don't invite you. You driving by, just stop by and see what's happening. But for folks in the building, your best cheerleaders are the students and your parents and continue to send those invites and continue to put stuff on social media about pictures. The other thing I also learned, I, I, I used to follow Twitter a lot, right? My daughter and, and son say, get on Instagram. I said, that's for the young people, but for the parents, <laughs> it's Facebook and maybe Twitter. You see a lot of events. And then I started to click, I like those pictures or maybe mm-hmm. comments that gets the attention as well. So if you can't physically be there you can also see those events but school just being innovative put your stuff out there celebrate the good things so when an incident happens because it's going to happen then you have all this banked up good things happening in your community that that community is going to rally if something not so good happens you know and say look but look at all the other things that have happened. This is an anomaly. This happened; we had no control over. So I think that whole I've learned about the the magic of media, mm-hmm. and also how an individual school or team and staff can really market their school out there. They have much more control than sometimes mid level and the, and the top person.
0: What I love about that is it does double duty for the leaders. It reminds them how important it is for the people they are supervising to feel seen. Mm -hmm. And it's not so difficult, even if you're just liking something on social media, to give them something. And it's also a reminder to the teachers that they don't have to walk around feeling invisible. They have the ability to ask for what they need. Exactly. I worked with a teacher many years ago who told me that she was going to meet with the principal and i asked her what she was meaning about if she wanted to share and she said oh i want to get some feedback and i i I said what do you mean and she said well i want to i want him to tell me that i'm doing a good job and i said wait you're going to meet with him to tell him that you want to know if you're doing a good job? And she said, yes. She said, when I walk in there, I'm going to start by saying, I need more feedback than most people, and I recognize that. (laughs) But for me to stay really engaged, I need to know if I'm doing a good job. It blew my mind that she had this need and she decided she was just Mm -hmm. going to try to meet it. Mm -hmm. And the principal was responsive and had the conversation and she went back to her classroom feeling good. And that was the end. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty about running a school you have to know your people and you know there may be a teacher who would never want to do that and just say i'm good i'm you know i was like one of those teachers (laughs) i'm good you know you can come and visit but i don't need that kind of affirmation coming in and so forth but that's the importance that's sometimes what i miss about running a school you really you had the opportunity to get to know your staff know your students and know the community and then you would do things to meet the masses and and so kudos to her kudos yeah i was impressed right.
0: it's what we're always telling kids yeah. right i i use the venn diagram you know the, the overlapping circles there's the stuff you can control the stuff that matters is in the exactly. other circle and the sweet spot is the stuff in between yep the things in your control and the things that really matter it really mattered to her mm-hmm. that her principal told her she was doing a good job mm-hmm. It wouldn't have mattered to you. Mm-hmm. You might have asked for something else. Mm-hmm. You might have wanted to take kids on a field trip or something <laughs> to Wyoming. To Wyoming.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think as a building leader, you start to know, or you should start to know, how the people in your building prefer feedback as well. Yeah, um, yes, yeah. Some people like it digitally. Some people thrive on conversations. And there's a difference of how your feedback will be perceived and you know, if it's in a method that they like and that feels comfortable for them, it's not really any different than giving feedback to kids. You have that kid who thrives on just a flyby piece of feedback, right? Or and then you can't hover over them because they become nervous, and it's the pressure then of the feedback that maybe they're not taking the feedback because it's pressure. So I think you begin to learn that about the people in your building. And that's a really cool thing about leading a building is that it's a lot like a classroom, but on a bigger scale, right? And with adults.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think the greatest um, the greatest thing I learned as an administrator, there's this desire. Everybody wants to run a high school. Everybody wants that high school. <gasps> we were school just talking about just that. Just wants to be a high school principal. And I remember... When these opportunities come, you know, come available, and you, we had a certain process in Montgomery County, and uh, I remember my supervisor said to me, um, "You should really look at middle school," and I kind of fought that a little bit because you hear, you know, the greatest job is running a high school. Yep. However, that was the best move I've ever made. And so, as a superintendent, I would say to folks. Yes, I know you're an assistant principal at this high school, but I really want you to explore the middle school level. And here's the reason why I think I've learned to become uh, more of an instructional leader at the middle school level. High school, large numbers, you're managing the people, Mm -hmm. and you had department chairs that were managing the departments instructionally. But middle school, you had to know The instruction, you had to know teams, you had to know dynamics and data analysis that you were in those team meetings, in the Mm -hmm. instructional leadership team, really looking at data. I just felt much more hands on and that stretched many of of my colleagues, many of my uh, rising administrators. Once they did that middle school experience, many have stayed, many have moved on to high school. But I think that just makes you such a well-rounded um, instructional leader versus high school. When I became a high school principal, I'm managing the people. Yes. And so it was rare that I could actually get into a team or department meeting because um, I had a school of 2,800. It was Montgomery Blair oh, wow. and Gaithersburg High School. That was 2,200. So these are big high schools. Um, I've always cherished my years at the middle school level because I think I really learned. And to your point, you you... You have to know your staff just like as a teacher, you had to know your students. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were all different. Um, there were some of the grumpy ones and the new ones and the, the ones who would cry. You just had to deal, deal with all that. But I think instructionally, I became a better administrator by serving at the middle school level.
1: Yeah, it's a fun space to be a leader in because you're embedded,
0: I think is what you're talking about, embedding with those teams. And what I'm hearing from both of you, the reason you're successful in those roles is because you really valued the idiosyncrasies and the differences among Mm -hmm. your staff, Mm -hmm. rather than trying to get them to conform to some mold, you just tried to leverage whatever their strengths were. It's what a middle school student said to me recently, the best teachers are always crazy. (laughs) I love it. And there's some truth to that. There is some truth to that.
2: Yeah. There
0: is some truth. And as a leader, sometimes you have to harness the crazy, but if you can appreciate it and leverage it in the right way, they feel seen, they feel like they have autonomy and you get the most out of the kids that they're working with. I can't imagine doing any of the jobs you two have done, but I really (laughs) appreciate the role that you play in school systems and that you put kids first because it's obvious you both do. We're going to close out in just a minute, but if you have any last words of advice, you have principals, teachers, all middle level educators listening right now, what would you, what piece of advice or from your long career would you want to share with them?
2: I say this all the time, focus on the students. When you focus on the students, all that other noise is still there. But the students will bring you joy, the students will bring excitement, and that's what you're there for, to really challenge the students. So if you can just focus on the students and every decision is based on the needs of students, regardless of what happens, people will always remember that about you.
0: Thank you so much. Thank
2: you for this,
0: being with us today. This has
2: been a pleasure for me. Thank you. Thank you for Seeing me and helping me take the picture, and now I'm sitting here with you
0: and and Wyoming Wyoming connection.
2: That's amazing. (laughs) That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you, thank Thank you. you so much.